Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Welcome to episode 158 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And part of uh, my sorrow is that this is the last episode of season three of the Love Food Podcast. It's been a, such a great season and I'm feeling a bit of a dichotomy because I'm going to really miss connecting in this way. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to having less recording time just to rest. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know I'm obsessed with sleep because I need a lot of it. I need a lot of rest. It's the only way I can handle my mood disorder. It's the only way I can survive as a parent. So I'm looking forward to the break and the extra rest of not recording, but I'm going to miss it. And every time I've taken a break, when I come back, I am super energized and I'm looking forward to that feeling when I have some new ideas and I can't wait to share them with you. But there's a big old but there. I will be re-releasing my PCOS and Food Peace podcast that I did with Kimmy Singh last September. And, you know, it was a separate podcast um, that we had under, you know, that name. And instead of you having to go and hunt for it, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to re-release it this summer under the Love Food Podcast. So it's the same episodes and uh, the same great guests. And you'll get to hear all about what Kimmy and I were doing with PCOS. And the thing that's really cool about this podcast, what people have told me, and I didn't think this this would happen, but people without PCOS have contacted me and said how much they appreciated it. And one of the reasons is PCOS is a chronic illness. So if you have a chronic illness that's not polycystic ovarian syndrome, you may benefit from just hearing the conversation. Our intention with the podcast was to provide support and compassion for people with PCOS along their journey and you know, in the process, what happened is people shared how they got through some really tough times, especially the fat phobia and diet culture that is just so pervasive when it comes to treating this type of chronic condition, which I know, unfortunately, it's not the only one. And um, so I hope it's something that you enjoy. And I look forward to releasing that starting in June. But before I get all weepy saying goodbye and everything for right now, we still have a whole episode to do. And I'm really, really excited to share this episode with you. I get to sit down with Vaughn Darst. 
And he's a dietitian almost. Um, he just finished all the training not too long ago. And he is someone that specializes in helping people of all genders along their recovery journey. And I have a letter from someone who is experiencing trouble with their food peace journey because they haven't received gender affirming care. And that really has impacted it in a way that was really massively detrimental. And what to do when one doesn't love every part of their body. Certainly that's with the message that body positivity circles kind of send us, right? That we must love our body. And that just keeps more and more people from having access to feeling at home in their own skin. And I can't wait to share with you all the details. But before we get to that, a word from our sponsor. This episode of a Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace courses. Over the summer, I will still have open enrollment for the PCOS and Food Peace course where I share my 12-step system that I have found that helps people move away from diets and promotes health while also increasing support and advocating for better care. Those are all things that are important. Unfortunately, diet culture has really got a firm grip in the polycystic ovarian syndrome circles, and I hate it so much, and I'm doing everything I can at the moment to try to change it. And in the meantime, connect with other people who are trying to move away from diets and promote positive body image in my PCOS and Food Peace course. You can get to all the details at PCOSandFoodPeace.com. If you're a dietitian wanting to help your clients with PCOS, go on over to PCOSandFoodPeace.com slash dietitians. It's a 20 continuing education unit um, course where um, you get the 20 CEUs and you also get monthly supervision from me to help you along the way. I want to share the work going on within Decolonizing Fitness. The person behind it, Ilya Parker, is a trans person of color physical therapy assistant and medical exercise coach with over 13 years of rehabilitative and functional training experience. He is a social justice advocate and educator whose work centers gender, racial, and healing justice. He decided to merge his love for restorative-based movement practices and community advocacy to create Decolonizing Fitness, LLC, which is a social justice platform that provides affirming fitness services, community education, and apparel in support of body diversity. Check out decolonizingfitness.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, all right, enough of all that. Let's get to the season finale and this episode's letter. Dear food, we've had a rough ride. The past five years have been a constant flux of hating you, loving you, wanting you, needing you, abandoning you, and rediscovering you, all the while changing the body in which relates to you. Though it really didn't change a lot at all. In fact, it stayed relatively the same, 
But this unchanging body can just look so different. On different days, in different mirrors, in different rooms, at different times, with different people, after different meals, it looks so different and I'm not sure which to believe anymore. I've come to accept this changing perception and try my best to give way to the kinder ones and not give much room to the less friendly ones. This has helped me come to a much better stage in my recovery and my relation to you, food. But there's something I feel pulling me back into unhealthy thought patterns and coping strategies. I'm a non-binary trans person who has not been through any physical transition processes yet. And although I've managed to accept many parts of my body that I have felt hatred towards previously, I find it impossible to accept it as a whole because there are parts that I unequivocally don't want. For example, breasts. And so I don't feel I can experience my body as a whole at least not as long as I still experience this kind of dysphoria. The thing is, food, I don't feel like I can resolve my relationship with you and move forward in my recovery while I can't resolve my relationship with my body and my gender dysphoria. The part that I struggle with the most is that there is a distinct lack of resources and inclusion of trans people and bodies and rhetoric about eating disorders. Often, when I'm seeking help, I find myself confronted with invalidation of my gender identity and a sense of loneliness in my struggles. In fact, I tried to access counseling and they required everyone to take a nutritional information course first in which they proceeded to misgender me and almost exclusively talked about anorexia and female body ideals as though that were the only issue in the room. Now I know I'm not the only non-binary trans person to experience an eating disorder and or gender dysphoria, but I feel quite lost at sea in this struggle and don't know where I'm supposed to swim next. Yours sincerely, Drowning in Gender Norms. Hey there, letter writer. Thank you so much for your note. I really, really appreciate it. And I also appreciate that my level of expertise is really poor. And when it comes to inclusive gender affirming care, while I'm in the process of getting supervised to help me do better in this regard, I was connected to someone who really has insight into um, how to help someone along their food peace journey when they don't feel at home in their own skin. Von Darst is almost a dietitian, and actually by the time you're listening to this, he already is. But just to be exact, he's almost a dietitian and specializes in helping people of all genders to have access to recovery and um, gender affirming care. So let's go ahead and give Von a call. Hello. Hey, Vaughn. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? Hey, I'm doing really well. How are you? Awesome. I'm, I'm doing great. And I'm so grateful that you are going to help me with this letter. I'm incredibly grateful that you're going to be doing this. And um, did you get a chance to read it? I did. Awesome. Good. So when you were reading this letter writer's letter, what, what was your general impression about what the letter writer is experiencing? 
Well, I was just so impressed with the growth that they have already made in recovering from their unhealthy relationship with food and their body. Um, it's so clear that they've made really big strides in, in improvement. And I, I really empathize with the challenges that they're facing on their gender journey and how it overlaps with their relationship with their body. Mm-hmm. I was really struck by the idea that you know, like, they can't accept every part of their body. Um, mm-hmm. That is a feeling that my clients and I talk about so much that in the body positive movement, we get mm-hmm. this really strong message that we are supposed to love ourselves entirely foot to foot to head. And when you're struggling with gender dysphoria, that's, really a challenging thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, that's something that I, as I look back on working with clients individually, that I, that's where I made mistakes and I wish I could go back and do a do over and I can't. That's something that I think is, um, I wish that I heard more. And when I got this letter, I was really happy to to read this letter with a, a different experience that we've never discussed on love food before and i also am like well i'm so ill prepared you know and so um again i'm so grateful that um even just hearing that part right there how um you know you said um some phrases that i wrote down like the gender journey and how you were empathizing and how like normalizing this kind of dichotomy of like i'm supposed to love everything about me and body positivity but wait you know um so yeah i mean yeah this is this is a conversation i have with clients who identify all across the gender spectrum so it's not even just folks who have a specific dysphoria or discomfort around areas of their body, but most of us have a complicated relationship to gender and our body and how other people engage with their their assumptions about our gender, right? So many cisgender women will probably connect with the idea that their body carries a lot of meaning around their gender, around their sexuality, around their relationship to other people, and they've been taught that since they were a very young age. So we can all kind of connect to this issue from our own lenses. But I think you're, you're really right, Julie, that many of us in the eating disorder recovery community have not been exposed to the complexity of what gender affirmative care looks like or to the complexity of gendered identities that our clients can present with. And as this, this letter writer brings up, many of us have been doing harm, although good intentions, mm-hmm. um, by, by not understanding the nuance and the unique struggles that come with, uh, with a client who's really dealing with both gender and eating problems. Um, it's just, it's, it's a very complicated situation unless you're pretty well versed in language around gender affirmative care, it's easy to do harm unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And part of what I'm thinking about, it's making me pause. I'm like, man, and that's just why I, that's why eating disorder treatment is so problematic because so many people within um, eating disorder treatment are 
have similar life experience and it's just it excludes too many people and so that's why we have harmed for so long so um that all being said oh my gosh we could spend a good couple hours on that (laughs) but but alas we have a letter to address but um the this letter writer you know what would you recommend to this person or anyone listening who is like that's my story that's exactly what i'm experiencing what would you recommend as some first few steps well i think first is is giving yourself permission to not love every part of your body that is that's going to be part of the process and um, it might not be a stage in in recovery that's realistic for you at this time Um, the letter writer mentioned that they have not started engaging in any type of gender affirmative medical care. And that might not be in their path either. Um, or it might be a decision that they want to make later on, either seeking gender affirmative surgical intervention or hormonal support, um, or just um, a greater connection to their community can also be a really important part of gender affirmative care. And what we see in some of the preliminary research around uh, trans and gender nonconforming folks who are de- who are dealing with eating disorder issues is that getting more affirmation for the gender that they identify with is intervention for their eating disorder. So as you feel more confident in your body and feel as though you're engaging with the world in a way that more closely aligns with your internal sense of your gendered identity, the more comfortable you will become with your body little by little. And none of these are, it's, it's unfortunately not a straight line between mm-hmm. gender identity and affirmative care all the way to, I love my body. Those things are unfortunately <laughs> not <laughs> going to automatically feed to one another. However, they're both part of this person's journey, I think, in the long run. So that might, for them, look like um, asserting their gender pronouns or their preferred name or asking folks to engage with them differently or to stop doing certain behaviors or to ask questions or to not ask questions. I think this person will really have to think about kind of what, what do I need from the people closest to me in my life in work and school and in my personal life to make me feel like people see me and really see me as I want the world to see me. Hmm. Yeah. It just, it speaks to how so much of this work can be individual, but also is cultural and systemic. And um, those of us who are living a life where we're not getting marginalized, like this, we need to pay attention because like that is such a simple thing that you just described. Like if I just, I just live in a world with someone in the way that they see themselves and like reflect that back, that's going to help recovery. I mean, that's just so easy. You know, it, it really does. And and this letter writer speaks to the, the opposite of that really mm-hmm. directly here that the folks in my life who were supposed to be there for my recovery misgendered me and they only saw my, my female body and talked about female body ideals as though they fit for me. And that just isn't true. And it made recovery feel inaccessible. And I think the reverse is true. If, if we had a, a world where you went into and you could be 
in the body that you were born in and still be seen the way that you want to see, I think people would have a lot more opportunities and choices about what they really needed Mm -hmm. from gender affirmative care. But we, we don't live in that world. Yeah. The handful of folks in my life who have really, really been able to get on the same page as me and see me the way that I want to be seen and understand some of the complexity of my gender identity, they do make it easier for me day to day to live in the body that I have and in the recovery body that I have. Um, it's, it takes a whole community of those people. It, I think, you know, one person really makes a difference, but a whole community of support around you and people who are affirming you and seeing you the way you want to be seen really goes a long way to supporting recovery for uh, trans and gender nonconforming folks. Um, and it's it's a, it's a bigger picture, but I think the the point you just made, Julie, is really important that each of us have a role to play mm-hmm. in supporting eating disorder recovery when we affirm someone's gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you about the food piece syllabus, but um, are you ready to move on to that part? Or do you have any other steps that you had in mind? Um, Sure. I think let's go ahead and move on to that. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. And um, yeah, so the Food Peace Syllabus is this list of resources that we've collected along the years of the Love Food Podcast. If you're new to the show, you can get the most updated list at juliedillonrd.com. And again, it's resources like other podcasts, books, um, movies, videos, anything under the sun that we have found that helps people to feel more at home in the skin they're living in. And is there anything that you would like to put on it, Vaughn? Well, I think that um, one of my favorites is a is an old classic. It's um, my gender, my new gender workbook by Kate Bornstein. Um, Kate is a affluent transgender scholar and activist, and she put together a workbook to really flesh out some of these areas where we're needing our gender to uh, be seen differently, to be engaged with differently. Uh, we're really exploring what gender means to us on a on an individual level and then that us that we bring into the world. And so it can be a really helpful starter place to work through some of the complexities around one's really unique sense of gender identity. Um, it's a great resource as well for clinicians who are hoping to learn. And on that page, since I know so many of your listeners are other professionals who are working in the recovery field, I would also recommend the book um, Gender Queer Voices from Beyond the Sexual Binary um, by Joan Nestle, Ricky Wilkins. Um, and they go through a whole anthology, a, a collection of stories of folks who exist all across the gender spectrum. You can really hear the unique perspectives in their voice um, and their 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 needs that they bring from their vantage points. Um, and there's some really nice introductory um, chapters about what the, the gender spectrum really is and some of the historical foundations behind it and how it connects to other social movements. So I think it's a, a great starter book for clinicians and individuals who are hoping to um, develop more more of a complex and nuanced understanding of gender identity. Mm, that's exactly um, the phrase too, the complex and nuanced. Is that what you said? 
Because when you said that phrase, yeah. I'm like, ooh, that's exactly what I'm yearning for, yearning for in my own supervision and helping people of different genders is I really want to ex- experience that, just understanding more of the complexity and nuance of that phrase. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and communicate to my supervisor. <laughs> so. um, I know how many of us really, you know, get through all the books on our reading list. Those, those <laughs> yes. two are really, really worth the time investment. Thank you. This is a population you want to learn more about. Yeah, I'll cue them up for sure. Yeah, I am in the process of putting together my website now. I, I just finished grad school and I'm studying for my RD exam right now. So everything is kind of happening at this moment. Um, but Pretty soon I will have my website up at allgenderednutrition.com. And for now, folks can find me and my work or reach out to me if they're looking for um, nutrition support from a gender-inclusive lens through my Instagram, which is allgendernutrition. Wonderful. I will put all of those in the show notes. And um, your website, um, I always like want to make sure that I get... the best place for people to find you. So for right now, it may be Instagram and then very soon it may be your website. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Okay. So for listening to this, when it's released, go find you on Instagram, but then if it's a little bit later, go to your website. Um, I really appreciate this so much. I appreciate your insight, your wisdom and your lived experience, you know, letting us know more about, I mean, I think again, I'm like, it's helping people who are not even the letter writer to do some really small things that have really important impact. And I am hoping this letter writer got some nuggets. Um, I have a feeling they did. Um, But thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It was a pleasure speaking with you, Julie. So there you have it, letter writer. I hope my conversation with Vaughn provided some next steps for you. And just give you access to more ways to feel at home in your own skin. And be sure to check out Vaughn's work on Instagram. All Gender Nutrition is his handle or also the website allgendernutrition.com. All right, enough of all that. And I'm sad that season three is over. And I also know my summer break is gonna be really energizing. And I look forward to seeing you. (laughs) I said, see you, right? I feel that close to you. (laughs) (laughs) But I look forward to connecting with you in the fall when Love Food comes back for season four. And, you know, in the meantime, I would love to hear who you would like to hear from as a guest expert. Maybe there's someone that you either work with or know about or you follow on some social media platform that you think has really helped your food peace journey. I would love to have them on the show. So shoot me an email, julie at juliedillonrd.com. So remember, while I'm away, I will be re-releasing the PCOS and Food Peace podcast series, and you don't have to go anywhere to hunt for it. It'll just come up on the same feed as Love Food. The only thing you would need to do is just push subscribe right now if you haven't already, and they'll automatically pop up. And while they were designed intentionally to help provide support for people with PCOS. You don't have to have the condition in order to benefit from it. They are conversations with people with this chronic condition. And I know there are many listening who experience some kind of chronic condition that has fat phobia all inside of it. So I think you could benefit as well. I think you'll find support and strength and feel more powerful in your food peace journey 
just connecting with other people who have found their way. The PCOS and Food Peace podcast will be released sometime this June, and I look forward to connecting with you there. And I see food has written back, so I must gather up my things and push stop for now. But I look forward to connecting, like I said before, and until next time, take care. Dear Drowning in Gender Norms, we see the pain you are experiencing and we weep with you. The world hasn't given you permission to step into your body the way you see it, and that takes away so much. Your food peace journey includes permission to not love part or all of your body. Practice compassionately allowing this tension. Notice what it is communicating that you need from the world. All bodies deserve respect, compassion, and permission, including yours. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.